MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, July 26th, 2021. Today, Tom Barrick shows up for his arraignment, pleads not guilty, and makes a bizarre statement. The Department of Veterans Affairs will require vaccines for all its healthcare workers. A fencer makes it to the Olympics despite sexual assault allegations. The 1-6 Commission has its first hearing. Mike Flynn gets a rifle as a gift at a church and says he could find someone in D.C. And the Department of Justice has until today to decide if it's going to represent Mo Brooks in the civil suit against him. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. All right. Welcome, everyone. Hi, Dana. Hey, A.G. Welcome back from the Vegas. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) It was interesting. I have a frog in my throat from hanging out in casinos with no Uh, ventilation. Can't. I can't. I just uh, can't. The smoke, it kills me. Yeah. But uh, I had a great time and and, uh, saw some great comedy and it, w- it was good. It was like good. Felt like old times before we have to shut shut down again. Probably. Yeah. Oh my god! I know. <laughs> just as long as you're safe. Just as long as you're safe. Yep. I wore a mask everywhere, and most people were wearing masks. So that's good. That's good news. That is good. And yeah, we have a good show today. Dana and I will, of course, be going over the headlines and the good news. And then later, I'm going to be joined by the host of the Objections podcast, Adam Klasfeld, because he was there for the hearing where Tom Barrick was arraigned this morning. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and the conditions of his release and when his next trial date is, all that good stuff. So we have a lot to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Lead story today. And maybe because I'm biased, but the Department of Veterans Affairs will require 115,000 of its frontline healthcare workers to be vaccinated against the coronavirus in the next two months, making it the first federal agency to mandate that employees be inoculated. That's according to government officials. The move comes as concern is growing that the substantial portion of the population that has not been vaccinated is contributing to the rapid spread of the highly contagious Delta variant. While it was a sharp departure from the Biden administration's reluctance to embrace federally mandated vaccines, it's part of a broader shift in which New York City, many hospital chains and some private employers are deciding that the time has come to make being vaccinated a requirement. We're doing it in California, too. Here's a quote. I am doing this because it's the best way to keep our veterans safe. Full stop. That is Dennis McDonough, the secretary of Veterans Affairs. He said that in a television interview on Monday. The department is one of the largest federal employers and is still the biggest integrated healthcare system in the country. The mandate will apply to workers who are the most patient facing. That's according to McDonough, including doctors, dentists, registered nurses, physician assistants and some specialists. Beginning on Wednesday, those healthcare workers will have eight weeks to get fully vaccinated or face penalties, including possible removal. On Monday in New York, Mayor Bill de Blasio announced all municipal workers would be required to be vaccinated against the coronavirus by the time schools reopen in September or they will face weekly testing. This measure, which will apply to 340,000 city workers, including teachers and police officers, follows a similar mandate for the city's public health care workers. And, of course, Governor Newsom of California has said he will mandate vaccines for all state government workers as well. President Biden could legally require members of the military to get vaccinated, but so far he's declined to exercise that power. Military officials, while frustrated by a refusal among some service members to be vaccinated, have said 
Their hands are tied until the vaccines receive full formal approval from the Food and Drug Administration, not just emergency use authorization. Uh, That is good news. And I'm glad we started with that because the next story is fucking infuriating. So I'm just going to warn people this. This is 10 days, 10 days after Fencer Alan Hadzik secured a spot as an alternate on the U.S. Olympic team. A group of women took their concerns about him straight to the top. Now, the six women fencers, these are people in his sport including two Olympic athletes, wrote to the Olympic Committee that Hadzik should not be allowed to represent the U.S. because he was under investigation for at least three accusations of sexual misconduct reported to the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, and that's a nonprofit agency responsible for protecting athletes from abuse. His presence at the Games, they said, was a direct affront to fellow athletes and put them at risk. So, two months later, Hadzik is one of 24 Olympic fencers in Tokyo, an alternate on the men's epi team, attaining a rarefied spot at the pinnacle of his sport to the dismay of his teammates. Now, the last month, Safe Sport had suspended him. They suspended him from the international competition. The 29-year-old from Montclair, New Jersey, fought to get that prohibition lifted through an arbitration process that ultimately permitted him to participate in the Summer Games. Now, I just remind you that someone got banned for smoking pot, but let's continue. Hmm. Acknowledging the severity of the allegations facing Hadzik, USA Fencing, the athletic federation in charge of selecting the country's Olympic competitors, created a, quote, safety plan, keep him away from women and out of an Olympic village. Let me repeat that. They had to make a fucking safety plan so that this guy didn't hurt other women. He flew in on a separate plane from his teammates, wasn't on the same plane. He's staying at a hotel 30 minutes away from the other athletes and won't be allowed to practice alongside women teammates. After he appealed those conditions, the entire roster of team USA fencers signed a letter demanding the restrictions stay in place. This guy's fucking dangerous. Hmm. And they let him go represent the United States of America. So he wasn't supposed to be on the team. He appealed through arbitration and won a spot. And then he, they put this safety plan in place. He appealed that and lost. Yes. Wow. But literally, they had to make a safety plan for the women he's around. And he wanted to appeal that. He wanted to be able yeah. to be in the Olympic Village and yep. practice with the women. Yep. Okay. Great. Uh, today, here's some other news. The Justice Department and the House of Representatives will file briefs explaining to a federal court whether each believes that Representative Mo Brooks was acting within the scope of his employment when he allegedly incited the violent attack on the Capitol and sought to subvert the peaceful transfer of power on January 6th. This sounds absurd, but in effect, Brooks is asking the Justice Department to certify that he was acting in the scope of his duties when he tried to overthrow the government. If he succeeds, he would be immune from suit and the Justice Department would step in on behalf of the government in civil suits arising from the violent insurrection. Many experts say the Department of Justice should not step in on behalf of Brooks because (laughs) sedition shouldn't qualify as being part of his job or at least inciting a riot. Joel Wine-Banks has even said if, if Garland decides to back Brooks on this, she would call for Garland's resignation. And, you know, we had a, uh, that, that headline saying, oh, no, the Department of Justice could represent Trump right. in the civil suits against him. This is kind of the, along those same lines. And this would be more of an indicator as to whether or not the Department of Justice would back Trump. Less so than, you know, because one of the lawyers, Swalwell's lawyer, was worried based on the E. Jean Carroll suit. right. That, that the DOJ would back Trump. And I was like, let's wait and see what happens. Yeah. If they do it here, that would be 
a pretty good indication that they might do it for Trump, too. And I I find that would be completely unacceptable. I don't Uh, think inciting an insurrection is covered as part of your duties. No, 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 no. It is not. It is indeed not. And uh, speaking of people that were involved in the insurrection, it looks like former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, who twice pled guilty to lying to the FBI, but then received a pardon, suggested this month that he would use an AR-15 rifle he was given as a gift to shoot someone in Washington. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. In a video posted on Twitter, Flynn is seen on stage with a group of people. A man also standing on stage says he's giving Flynn the gun because, quote, we were trying to come up with a rifle that we thought was appropriate for a general, so we went with an old-school woodland camouflage, one of our top quality guns. Flynn responds, maybe I'll find somebody in Washington, D.C. How, how does this, how do these guys keep getting away with this shit? I don't know, but I remember when Emmett Sullivan, Judge Sullivan, looked at him and pointed at the flag behind him and said, you're, you know, you're, you're a disgrace. You, you've betrayed your country and then asked the Mueller prosecutors if they had thought about investigating him for treason and I, I wish they would have. Yeah. And, you know, I'm usually against recalling retired service members to face court martial because I'm a retired service member. Sure. And I was I was threatened with adultery in my case because my rapist was married, not me. So, you know, I don't want that to be weaponized. Jesus. But in this particular case, still an option here because this is this is currently being litigated in the Supreme Court. But in this case, I think they should consider it. I think so, too. Yeah. All right. Well. Tom Barrick pled not guilty today to seven counts, including obstructing justice and acting on behalf of a foreign government, namely the United Arab Emirates. And I'll be right back with the host of the Objections podcast, Adam Klasfeld, to discuss today's arraignment hearing and the plea of Tom Barrick. So stay with us. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for the beans. It seems like acne breakouts always happen when you least expect it and when you need it the absolute least. Day before a wedding, day before pictures, day before headshots. But Apostrophe is my secret weapon for clear skin. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company offering science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to clear acne. With Apostrophe, you're connected with a board-certified dermatologist, not someone like Rand Paul who board-certified himself, a board-certified dermatologist who will develop a treatment plan specifically tailored to your skin, You just take Apostrophe's quick online quiz about your skin goals and answer some questions about your medical history, snap a few selfies, and your dermatologist will create a customized treatment plan in just minutes. Besides treating acne, they help with other skincare goals too. Apostrophe addresses redness, dark spots, wrinkles, and I mean like whatever you're looking to get done with your face pretty much. And with Apostrophe, I get a real dermatologist and a plan customized just for me. I submitted my visit online quickly without needing to make an appointment. It was wonderful. I did it from the comfort of my own home. And the best part is I didn't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. They sent my meds directly to my house. And we have a special deal for you. You can save $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist, making it just $5. You can do that at apostrophe.com beans when you use our code beans. This code is only available to you. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com beans, click begin visit, and use our code beans at sign up, and you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. Where else can you get a referral to a specialty board-certified specialist for a $5 copay. Apostrophe, that's where you go. So go to A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash beans and use that code beans to get your dermatology visit and save $15. And we thank Apostrophe for sponsoring the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today is host of the Objections podcast and absolutely wonderful court reporting, just 
extraordinaire genius. Please Aww. welcome Adam Klasfeld. Hi, Adam. The, How are you? What an introduction. Thank you, Allison. <laughs> I'm doing very well. Very well. Yeah. And unfortunately, when you dialed in to the Tom Barrick arraignment this morning, it was very hard to hear. A lot of press people were saying that they were having a hard time hearing. But we kind of got the gist. What happened? To, first of all, he showed up. Hallelujah. <laughs> right. Right. Well, it. Since at the end of last week, of course, he was granted bond. He was able to post a uh, $250 million bond secured by $5 million, which we crunched the numbers at Law and Crime. And a $5 million uh, secured is something like 0.5% of Mr. Barrick's net worth. So, uh, Anyway, he shows up, as you say, to his arraignment in the Eastern District of New York on Monday, and he pleads not guilty to acting as an unregistered agent for the UAE government and to the related obstruction of justice counts, accusing him of lying to the FBI about it. Uh, then they do a reprise of the bond hearing, because remember, the bond hearing was set for federal court in California. Now he has to do it again now that he's on the East Coast. Uh, the It's now approved by another federal uh, magistrate and with very similar terms. Uh, as you said, the hearing uh, was very difficult to hear. I think it was described as uh, through an old transistor radio, or if I can describe a more ancient technology than that, I would. It was uh, very hard to hear the uh, the very details of what was happening, but what we do over the remote access line. But the long and the short of it is that he has been arraigned. He and his uh, co-defendant, Matthew Grimes, both entered pleas of not guilty on the charges and the case goes forward. And so you say he, he's been released on bond again under similar restrictions. And I think those restrictions and I think also the five million, but I think his house also uh, was used to secure his bond. But does he still have to wear an ankle bracelet and not leave the area? Did he have to su surrender any passports? Do you know anything about anything further that he has to do? Because I and he also had like a fifty thousand dollar spending limit, which I assume was to prevent him from fleeing the country. But, you know, that's pretty rare to have that kind of a, a restriction, spending restriction put on you. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I thought that was interesting, too. And we had a back and forth about this recently. Uh, I this is a it's a rather, let's just say, rare situation when a billionaire, a bona fide billionaire, gets brought up on federal charges. Um, and in the times that I've covered it, I have never seen a restriction like this. And you're right, there was a spending limit for any domestic financial transactions, more than $50,000. Uh, he cannot do any transactions of that scale without prior written consent of the government. And uh, there is an exception for attorney's fees. He can pay his lawyers uh, if they're making uh, a lot of money. He can pay them more than that. But he can't engage in any overseas financials transact financial transactions. Uh, so that is another restriction. He's subject to GPS monitoring at his own expense. He can only travel by road or common air 
carrier, so private jets are a no-no. Uh, he has to surrender his passports. And so it's a very similar restrictions. He needs to provide the court a list of any air charter companies that he's used in the past three years with a copy of his bond and its travel restrictions. So the court needs to be aware of how he's been flying charter. Uh, so these are a lengthy list of restrictions to ensure that he keeps showing up to court uh, in, in, in the lead up to this blockbuster uh, case accusing him of effectively acting as an agent of the UAE government. I'm glad he had to surrender his passports. <laughs> I know he has private jets and yachts and all sorts of things. But how long is this for? When is his next court date and what is it for? So the next court date will be in September. And that's going to be a status conference. It's going to go through the pretrial preliminaries now. Uh, uh, presumably, he will have an opportunity to try to dismiss the allegations against him. He can uh, do the normal pretrial motions, whether he chooses to uh, do a suppression motion or uh, or all of the preliminaries will follow and we'll get a glimpse of what happens next uh, sometime in September. Really interesting. I have a couple more questions about, you know, possible flipping and cooperation and a lawyer's response and, of course, Tom Barrick's response. But I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Of course. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back with Adam Klosfeld. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's Allison for The Beans. Fewer, better things. That is the philosophy behind Kuyana. This is a San Francisco-based, women-run brand that encourages customers to purchase fewer but better quality pieces. Kuyana's mission is to create durable, high-quality clothing, accessories, and bags that women will wear and use every day and cherish for a very long time so they don't end up in landfills. And you don't have to keep buying them over and over because they're made with really, really high-quality things and materials and by amazing people. The leather bags are timeless. They're functional, versatile for all occasions. Every product Kuyana makes meets the highest standards of craftsmanship while also looking towards sustainability. They pledge to create products responsibly and provide a way to recycle every product through their second life programs. Kuyana was founded, like I said, by two women who shared the vision of providing high quality, environmentally conscious products that last for years to come. Kuyana really opened my eyes to the disposable fast fashion industry. And after getting a Kuyana bag of my own, I've embraced a fewer better lifestyle. I recently got the leather travel case set. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It is so soft. It is so well-made. It's Kuyana's best-selling item, and I can see why. It's a multi-purpose design, and it includes two leather cases, one small and one large. They're great for traveling, which I do all the time. I love to use these to pack my toiletries and beauty essentials, but also placing them on my bathroom vanity. It's They're gorgeous, and it keeps everything organized nicely on the road or at home. Kuyana never goes on sale, but as a special offer, you can receive 10% off your first order of over $150, plus you get free shipping by visiting kuyana.com slash dailybeans, and you can get your individual code there. That's kuyana, C-U-Y-A-N-A dot com slash dailybeans. Start shopping fewer better at kuyana.com slash dailybeans. And today's show is also brought to you by my favorite game, Best Fiends. You know I'm addicted to this game. I used to dread trying to make small talk at a party or waiting in long lines at amusement parks, but now... I just play Best Fiends because you don't need the internet to do it. You can take it everywhere. It's my favorite game and it puts the world on pause and it makes me feel like all the stress is melting away. Since I started playing Best Fiends, I don't want to stop. I'm on level, I think, 2,100 and something. I'm so, it's a lot. But I love playing. I love it's 
I strategize. My keeps my brain busy. It's got beautiful visuals. They keep it fresh. They have these adorable collectible characters. There's something new every day. It's one of those games that makes 30 minutes feel like 30 seconds. And I love their new updates with new events and challenges. I've unlocked tons of new characters and worlds while playing. I had to go to the DMV the other day, just bust it out, played it. By the time I knew it, I was up at the window. My favorite thing is how you strategically team up with other characters based on their special abilities to gain extra points. It's, I just, I love the fact that you have to think about it. It engages you. It's not just mindless candy smashing. Best of all, it's totally free to download and doesn't require the internet to play. Like I said, there's so much to love about this game. Give it a try. Let me know if you love it as much as I do. Download the five-star rated puzzle game Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking with the host of the Objections podcast, Adam Klasfeld, who dialed into the Tom Barrick arraignment to which he showed up. I won some money on a bet. <laughs> so that's good. To, that's good news, I guess. But he's still a flight risk waiting for this next status conference in September. I think he'll hang around. But I remember a lot of uh, folks were pointing out that when Alan Weisselberg was arraigned, that his lawyers were very careful not to say anything that could, I guess, upset the ability for him to cooperate. What are your senses about? Because I know he said he's going to fight the charges. He's innocent. He put out some weird statement about the Statue of Liberty. But did they say anything that would indicate to you that they are absolutely not going to even consider cooperating or is this still an open possibility? Well, this is very, very early along in the state, in the stages of the case. As you know, the uh, indictment was just brought out this past week. Um, The first statement that his lawyer gave was a claim of total innocence. So um, at this moment, they're not tipping their hands and one wouldn't expect them to. This is going to go through discovery. Um, but uh, of course, Tom Barrick was former inaugural chair of uh, Trump's inaugural committee. He was a close Trump confidant. His name came up as you know, having covered the Mueller investigation, every wrinkle of it um, extensively, his name's been in the mix for a while now in connection with uh, Roger Stone and how he and Roger Stone were the ones who recommended Paul Manafort to the Trump campaign. So in terms of the possibility of could could he flip, could he uh, turn on even more powerful people than his billionaire self, that remains to be seen. But the lawyers at this early stage of the game, is uh, his legal team is playing the cards very close to the chest and proclaiming his uh, innocence without much more. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that you, you bring up all these other connections because the New York Times has reported that this case, according to sources, arose from the Mueller investigation. And you and I both know there were several cases handed off under redaction bars in Appendix D of Volume 2 of the Mueller report. Actually, I guess Appendix D wouldn't be part of Volume 2, but you know what I mean. Right. And we remember well in Gates, the sentencing hearings for Gates, that the court thanked him for being such a substantive cooperator and uh, that a lot of those things were filed under seal because he was cooperating in, quote, several other cases. And He was on the inaugural committee with Tom Barrick. And, you know, I have to wonder, first of all, congrats on the DOJ for 
taking us all by surprise and, and giving me confidence that they may actually be doing some investigations we don't know about because we didn't hear much about this at all. Right. But, you know, this does bring up a very interesting point in what else he is involved in and who who might be cooperating or has cooperated against him in this case or potentially other cases. Right. And, you know, this is what federal prosecutors like to call a speaking indictment. I mean, this indictment that they filed against Tom Barrick and his accused co-conspirators really tells a story. And it tells a story way back to the Trump campaign uh, through 2019, where they have internal communications uh, purportedly showing him telling his UAE national co-conspirator uh, that he really uh, nailed it for the, the home team, referring to the UAE, not the United States, um, talking about the wish list by the uh, Emirati officials that are uh, described in the indictment. I, this is an indictment that tells a story, <laughs> and it tells a story in dozens of pages. Uh this is, you mentioned the inaugural committee investigation. There are still investigations going on surrounding all of the money that was transferred in this. And what was, um, what's important to recognize about this indictment is that it charges him under a statute, basically the same uh, offense that was charged against Maria Butina. But this isn't technically about the inaugural committee uh uh, investigation, though it's very adjacent to it. So who knows where this could evolve? There are lots of connections that both of us have been following for a very long time. Yeah. And at trying to sort of explain how big a deal this indictment is for those of us who've been following back since the Mueller investigation, it's hard to convey the importance of this particular indictment. You know, you mentioned it's under Section 951 which is a FARA violation, but not under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. It's its, its own separate thing. Maria Butina, they call it espionage light. Right. We've talked about the, the specific differences between a regular FARA case and this particular one. But this is heavy stuff. It carries a lot longer sentence. And I am really surprised with all of the mountains of evidence completely spelled out in that indictment, particularly in the material false statement section, those last four counts, that he would plead not guilty to lying to investigators, because, I mean, the, like you said in the speaking indictment, that case is laid out plainly. Right, right. And one other thing that happened just outside of court that speaks to the many connections of this case, uh, he was heckled uh, en route to court. Uh, Tom Barrick was heckled outside of court with a guy holding a placard that said traitor. Now, it's a very similar placard that was held outside of the courtroom for fellow Trump loyalists, Paul Manafort and Roger Stone. So there's the continuity there. And it's the same guy with the same sign, actually. <laughs> same guy with the same sign. So there is continuity here. This indictment was a long time coming. It kind of raises questions with uh as to why it wasn't charged earlier, uh, as the government appears to have been aware of many of these allegations for a very long time. Um, and uh, and as as I said earlier, it's a speaking indictment and the defense is now aware of just what the government, uh, you know, the prosecution appears to have 
laid certain cards on the table with the speaking indictment. They're letting the world know what the government has known for a very long time. And now the defense has a decision to make. Yeah. And we'll see what other kinds of cases and prosecutions come forward now that we... uh we have a different Department of Justice, different attorney general, different president, because, you know, hopefully we'll get some information about whether or not this particular case was actually suppressed or whether prosecutors just sat on it because of probably unfavorable views by the U.S. attorney in the Eastern District, Donahue, and of course, Bill Barr. We'll see. We'll see what finds it. We'll see what we can find out. Absolutely. It will be an interesting case to keep track of, uh, and I'll definitely be watching it again in September. All right, great. And we will look forward to speaking to you then or maybe sooner about Matt Gates. I don't know. We'll see what happens this month. <laughs> we'll talk soon. <laughs> uh, everybody follow Adam Klausfeld on Twitter and check out the Objections podcast. It's totally amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much, Allison. Always a pleasure. All right, everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hello. Hello, daily listeners. It's Allison Gill. My primary focus this year was strengthening my nutritional habits. I've tried pretty much every omega-3 on the market, and I found my favorite. It's called Iwi. Iwi's secret is algae. It's on another level than plain fish oil. They realized fish get their omega-3s from algae, so Iwi goes straight to the source. They skip the middle fish, so to speak, meaning you don't have to worry about that fishy aftertaste. Iwi's proprietary form of algae leads to 50% more absorption. That's the world's highest absorption of any source of omega-3. Their patented formula goes straight to your bloodstream for more absorption and greater health benefits faster. In a clinical study, Iwi cholesterol helped reduce bad VLDL cholesterol by 25% on average in just three months. Well, so whatever your age, you can reap the benefits of Iwi. If a healthy lifestyle is important to you, then adding Iwi to your self-care supplements is easy and it's a must to support your heart, brain, and vision and overall wellness. All of Iwi's products are plant-based and their algae is sustainably farmed in the United States, so it's never too late or too early to start taking Iwi. Go to iwilife.com slash dailybeans and use code dailybeans to save 30% off your first purchase. Take advantage of this limited time offer today. Iwilife, that's I-W-I-L-I-F-E.com slash dailybeans and use code dailybeans, all one word, for 30% off your first purchase. Again, that's iwilife.com slash dailybeans and promo code dailybeans. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And today's show is also brought to you by Canva. You are listening to The Daily Beans, sponsored by Canva Pro. That is a design game changer. The level of my design experience is uh, novice to intermediate. I haven't mastered the, you know, the programs that have that sort of high learning curve yet, but I've made my fair share of posters and logos and graphic art. My progress could have been accelerated by having access to more advanced design software, no doubt about it. And the great news is my designs have improved dramatically since I upgraded to Canva Pro. Canva Pro is an easy-to-use design platform with everything you need to design like an expert. Your productivity and creativity will rise, whether you're a professional designer or just getting started. It's a quick and easy and affordable way to design whatever you need. You can find all the tools you need for creating on Canva Pro, including over 75 million high-quality photos, videos, and audio clips. Canva Pro also has time-saving tools that simplify and speed up the creative process, which is so good because sometimes my brain is way ahead of what I'm able to do with my hands. And my favorite Canva Pro feature are the templates and they have access to over 400,000 free templates with new designs daily. I, I use them to make posters and social media posts, and it's so much easier than having to do it from scratch. The creative possibilities are endless with Canva. No matter what your content is, Canva can help you make it stand out. So design like a pro with Canva Pro. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial. 45-day extended trial when you use our promo code. Just go to canva.me slash beans to get your free 45-day extended trial. Again, that's canva, C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash beans canva.me slash beans. You'll be glad you did. 
All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Hey, Dana, I love the good news. We need it today. I do, too. It's good to be back. This episode's, I mean, like you said, was sort of a slow news day. So it's nice to fill in the blanks with all of this good stories. I love that people keep making sub- submissions about everything. Everything now under the sun, you can submit to the yeah, Daily Beans. Pretty much. I could give you the list, but I think giving you the list of what not to submit would be shorter. Yeah. Because uh, I really can't think of anything. That's it. No dick pics. There you so- go. <laughs> Yeah, please. And, and of course, your corrections. I keep calling for corrections because I know I keep screwing up, but no one's correct. No one's calling me on it. But uh, if I catch myself, I'll, you know, of course, I'll let you know. But you please feel free to do that. You can submit all this stuff at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I will kick us off with this first submission from Tom. Pronouns he and him. Hi, AG and all. Oh, that's like the professor and Marianne on Gilligan's Island. You're just <laughs> and the rest, you know. What's with this and the rest crap? Anyway, hi, AG and all. Thank you for all you do in helping uh, me keep a constant in my life. You all and my family have kept me from dark places, I am sure. Oh, thanks, Tom. A good news update from December? Question mark? No, December is when we heard from Tom about his wreck on November 13th. Not only am I alive. Yes, I remember Tom, but I'm getting well. Foot and ankles are healed. Right hip replaced and all doing well with physical therapy. Left hip is deteriorating, but its replacement will be a piece of cake when that needs to happen. I'm walking with a cane now, almost 4,000 steps the other day. Oh, that's a lot. It is slow and still a bit wobbly, but it's moving. The surgeons, doctors, and other medical staff have been awesome. I just wish I could say the same about insurance and disability rules, but even their staff have been kind and helpful. It's a full-time job to keep the rules happy, so much so I had to quit my job of 40 years, but maybe that's a good thing. Overall, good. Pictures are, number one, how it started. Number two, how it's going. And number three, pet tax. Mother Fox and a young one on our front deck a few mornings ago. The three kids had been fighting over a dead rat they had stolen from a cat while mom watched over it all. Life in the Redwoods above Santa Cruz. Thanks and love. Let's see. Oh, oh get him. God. I know. Oh, my goodness. There Tom. he is walking. And the foxes. Sexy American foxes. Nice. Cute. Oh, love the mom just watching. I love the good news updates, Tom. I'm glad you're doing better. Yeah, me too. All right. This next one's from Laura Dell, pronoun she and her. This is a what the mutt. If you play what the mutt without answers supplied, (laughs) we have no idea what our rescue baby is breed wise. She was rescued from the streets in an Australian country town and she knocked around in pounds for three months before she came to her forever home. Oh, she was knocked around in pounds. Got it. I was like, are they fat? The dog? (laughs) No, I got it. Okay. It's the speech. She was, she was poor thing. And then she found a forever home. Now you can't see in this photo, but she also has a natural bobtail and that's your only breed ingredient. We'd love to hear what you think. Now, uh, I see pity an Australian shepherd here. Like yeah, she, the bobtail yeah. screams Australian shepherd to me. And beautiful dog though. I love her toes. I know. <laughs> I like her face. Yeah. She's and the pity cause face. she's kind of got that muscly chest going you know could be some boxer in there too yeah and i love that this is one of the ones without answers so we're just going to be like that's totally it ag congratulations i agree yeah high five we got it all right doom let's go (laughs) next up from mary pronoun she and her i have a contribution 
for the Strange Place Names game. You always get these. (laughs) Not always. Sometimes I do, and I'm so grateful when I don't. (laughs) I grew up in Monmouth County, New Jersey. There's one town in Monmouth County called Brick and another town called Wall. I don't know why, but these place names amuse the crap out of me for some reason. There's also an unincorporated census-designated place in Ocean County, the next county over called New Egypt. Now I live in Massachusetts. There's a town in Norfolk County called Braintree, and a town in Worcester County called New Braintree. (laughs) (laughs) The weird thing is New Braintree is much more rural than Braintree. I admit that sometimes I wish that I lived in either Braintree or New Braintree just for the unusual place naminess of it all. (laughs) Thanks, Mary. Nice. (laughs) I love this next one because this is a a repeat. This is um, she and her. It says anonymous, but then we find out who it is. Hi, AG and Dana. My good news is my name really is Lisa Mia Moore. Okay, so this is kind of amazing. We had a submission from Lisa before and we thought she was just being cute. (laughs) So if you're listening, her name is Lisa. Her middle name is Mia, M-I-A, and her last name is Moore, M-O-O-R-E. And I just feel like your parents are awesome that they looked down at this little baby and was like, oh, Mia Moore. And let's name her Lisa. Lisa Mia Moore. Okay. I forgot to add photos of my babies. So I'm correcting that. Tuxedo Kitten is Griffin. He channels Cary Grant. Tabby is Lil Sebastian, named after the famous Parks and Recreation <laughs> pony. Bye, <laughs> bye, little Sebastian. Oh, I love that song. These cats are cute. Oh, they're adorable. And I love tuxies. I love tuxies so much. Oh, do you want to get the next one too? Because that was a short one. Sure, this is from Jojo, pronounced she and her. Hello, my beans, queens. Love you. Love the pod. Onward. So yesterday, 7-22-21, you were reading Miss Jenna's, I hope that's right, I think it's right, submission about misheard idioms, and I flash back to a book I read as a kid. The book is called No More Dead Dogs by Gordon Corman. Sorry, I started giggling. In this book, it's a brilliant book. There's a character named Rick. Rick has a habit of getting normal idioms wrong. My favorite is, it's the icing on the gravy. And several of these <laughs> several of these occur in the book. If you ever get a chance to read this book, it's really cute and was one of my favorites as a kid. So I just wanted to let you guys know, Pet Tax is a baby armadillo that was ripping up my neighbor's yard. Rare even for us Texans. And thanks for everything. Look, oh, not one armadillo. Armadillos, there's three of them. Oh my God, it's a pack. What do you call a group of armadillos? Let's look, mm-hmm. let's look this up. Collective noun armadillas and it is a roll a roll of armadillos (laughs) (laughs) that's really funny that it's a roll Uh, that's so great because they they rolled up you know when they when they get attacked and threatened now i need to find out more about this no more dead dogs book because i have to know what happens (laughs) for sure (laughs) to know what happens based on the title look at these Uh, armadillos they're so cute oh it's these are i love armadillos they're they're so cute. All right. Next up from BB, pronouns she and her, an ode. <laughs> Sorry. It looks like a bocce ball game came to life in the backyard. Like the bocce balls just unrolled. And they're walking around. around. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So BB wrote us a poem. So an Aryan gang has some aims to cover the country in flames. They're called unforgiven and somehow are driven to hand out some ludicrous names. Their evil plans may be insane, but their nicknames are merely inane. They're not named for valor, but rather their pallor. Here's just a few on the train. There's Ivory Chips, who hangs out in casinos. The musical stylings of Whitish Gambino. (laughs) Blanche Lobianco is so pale and pretty. 
like light and delightsome, who's from Salt Lake City. There's Mr. Clean Clorox, and saying it louder, this colorless guy who just goes by powder. Golf <laughs> ball has dimples. And to end the roll call, Ghosty McGhostface is palest of all. That was fantastic. Light and delightsome. I remember that. Oh, my God. Baby, from... thank you for that. And look at here, pet tax, Jack and his party fez. Oh, look at this dog in the fez. It's so cute. I, it shocks me when animals allow this to happen. <laughs> yeah. And I love this because we're about to celebrate Tiki Oasis here in San Diego. So it's going to be a Fez Fest. Thank you for sending that in. The poem is wonderful. Thanks so much to Jojo for the armadillas. Uh, AG, what the hell is Tiki Oasis in a Fez Fest, please? Oh, okay. So uh, town and country. Uh, or no. Yeah, I think it, I can't remember the name of the hotel. Crown something Crown Point Inn. Okay. Every year have the Tiki Oasis. The entire hotel is overrun by amazing, awesome Tiki people. Ooh. All Hawaiian, mid-century modern. Ooh. Like Shag is there and has his art up. You can buy all kinds of cool uh, sort of tropical Tiki clothes, you know. And so it and every room is a different like every hotel room. People get these hotel rooms and have parties, themes. Wow. And, and it's you walk. It's incredible and amazing and like Creepsotica plays and Tiki Tronic and I think uh, Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine is going to be there this year. I love Richard. Yeah. And so there, I mean, it's just an absolute amaze fest the whole entire week. They have mermaids swimming in the pool. It's just fucking tropical and incredible. Sounds awesome. And that's a thing. Fezzes with with the Tiki motif. Oh, got it. Okay. Thank you very much. And I'm sure some listeners feel better about it, too. I learn things every day on this podcast. (laughs) And Lisa, thank you for for your kitties. And bye-bye, little Sebastian. I love that. (laughs) And, uh, of course, Laura, with your what the mutt that you don't know. And the foxes, the American foxes. Everybody. And that Tom is doing so well. If you have anything you want to submit, this is awesome. I love the good news segment. Do it by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. That's all I got for today. That's today's news. Do you have anything you want to add? I do not. Uh, nothing seems to have broken in the last minute or Thank so. Thank God. Thank the baby Jesus. Let's just sign off and hope that continues. Yeah. Although someone posted that they hope that the unvaccinated, <laughs> they say that they hope the unvaccinated end up in hell. Oh. And I, and I, I, have, I had to say on behalf of those of us who are probably going to hell, I want to object. <laughs> <laughs> that's why when they're like these republicans coming out and they're like all these lgbtq plus people need to be put on an island somewhere i'm like after the last five years which island are we talking yeah. about exactly because i might take you up on that at this point i want to go to gay island can i go right yes because you're an ally awesome. and sometimes you know bordering i i got some weirdnesses we'll just put it that way i was like how much yeah i was like i don't know what to say right now i don't even worry about it (laughs) i i appreciate that i i definitely want to visit gay island and and maybe live there so maybe yeah i mean the 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 property value goes up as soon as we move on to it that's so so true yeah you're absolutely right you're 100 percent right on that All right. That's it. That's all the uh, news we have for today. There will be a lot of news for tomorrow, I am certain. So we'll we'll see you then. And until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's the beans. 
The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.